ever worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put the rest your peers There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Sunday, you know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things pop culture, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything because it's all in canon. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Phil. Good morning, good day. How is everybody doing out there? Including you, Boris. I'm doing How are fantastic. you doing? I'm doing fantastic. A little tired. Been a very long week. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, things are going really well. So on this episode of the HKN Podcast, we're going to be talking about the future of cryptocurrency. We're going to be talking and discussing the pressures of working for big tech, especially during the COVID-19 era. We're going to be talking about the Twitch crackdown on harassment, including things that don't happen on their platform question 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 um more account leaks we're gonna be talking godzilla versus kong and then others tidbits of stories as we talk about time and whatnot whatever yeah it sounds like a full schedule my friend oh it's full and then some full and then some it, it it's it's like five pounds of shit or ten pounds of shit stuffed into a five pound bag yep pretty much um yeah so if we're off it's because we're recording a little earlier than we normally do on sundays um because i am taking my mother for her vaccination in a couple hours so um yeah that's that's, awesome she's gonna have 5g soon like just think about it right because my dad's already got half of the 5g so (laughs) he's just waiting for the rest exactly but yeah it's a good thing to get the vaccinations done especially for your parents and for yourselves, like, hey, it's uh, we want to all get past this, right? Yep. And exactly. right now, it's not good, basically anywhere. I don't know whether the world is pulling an ostrich or what, but the news ain't good in our area. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, um, things are not looking great in certain parts of Ontario, certain parts of Toronto, and surrounding areas. Um, the one good thing, like, well, I I don't know if the, if it's the good thing per se, but I live in a hot zone, so I'll be getting my vaccination soon enough. That's awesome. I know that my region is talking about opening up to my age group relatively soon, like this month or, you know, soon-ish. So I'm I'm hoping I'm able to get in the line to get that thing done, but we'll see what happens. I'm surprised that you haven't been able to go because of, uh, like, medical reasons and whatnot. Well, uh, apparently my medical reasons aren't serious enough. So, hey, what can you do? Um, 
apparently it's it's the qualifier is stuff like you have to have like a an organ transplant or have suffered um cancer chemotherapy things like that and luckily knock on wood i haven't had any of those issues i i don't have the best health all the time but i battle the diabetes a little bit and um you know what can you do you just got to live with it and manage it and and wait for your turn when the doctors say that you can line up for it or register on their website or whatever the situation may be. Yep, exactly. All right, Phil, what a week. We've talked quite a bit here and there, but uh, I've been super busy doing like the whole WrestleMania coverage. I did NXT, did a couple interviews, watched WrestleMania Night 1 yesterday, going to watch WrestleMania Night 2, doing the after parties uh, with Sunday night's main event. So things have been really busy on my end. But in terms of non-wrestling watching, I can't really say I've watched too, too much. I watched a couple <laughs> horror movies. Um, uh, yeah, that's about it. I um, It's been definitely a, a quiet week for that kind of stuff for me because almost as we talked about last week almost all the shows that i'm tracking have kind of come to an end um the exception being the winter uh, falcon and winter soldier um obviously that that keeps on trucking and and invincible so those two i i definitely uh watched but otherwise, I've been spending a lot of time actually getting reacquainted with a theme that we've been talking about a lot lately, and that is Kevin Smith and the View Askew universe. So last night, I, I actually watched Clerks 2. Uh, again, I haven't watched it in a while, and I'm talking a full watch through with the donkey show and everything, because normally I turn it off before the donkey show gets there because all the funniest bits of humor for me hit way before that aspect of the movie. And then I was actually talking to somebody and they mentioned a joke about a donkey show. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Rosario Dawson was in Clerks 2 and there was a donkey show. I almost forgot about it. So I went back and watched that. And then I started watching Chasing Amy. And then, yeah, it's been one of those weeks where it's like just the void of Kevin Smith has been enveloping me a little bit. And it's not a bad thing, you know, sometimes just like what you inspired me with Chasing Amy, that I'm like, okay, I'm looking at it with fresh eyes. I'm looking at it from, I haven't watched it in a while's perspective. And I got to say, the, the story hits me a little differently now. Yep. Some scenes that I might have glossed over before have way more importance to me in the dialogue and the, the actual intention of a scene. Versus the shock humor that sometimes it gets as well, because it, it's a there's many levels to a lot of Kevin Smith stuff, right? Like there's a heart of gold at most of his stories, and there's a lot of stuff around it that keeps you laughing and otherwise distracted towards the actual heart of gold that's in there. Yeah. And I really appreciate that about his films. I, I I enjoy the banter, but I also sometimes the the actual delivery of the story or the the hit of it um, makes me uh, take pause and and really appreciate what kind of work was done there. So yeah, 
Yeah. That's, that's my head musings on Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, what have you played? Any play anything fun this week? Uh, you know what? I'm Despite trying to give up Animal Crossing, I haven't. I picked up that Cozy Grove game on the PS5 or PS4, which is like Animal Crossing, except it's a haunted island. Uh, so that's not as good as Animal Crossing, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'm struggling with that a little bit. It's it, not the game I thought it would be, but it's not bad. Yeah. I just have to give it more of a chance. It is Avengers it is at that point. Yep, Avengers. Avengers, I downloaded the shit out of that game. Now, 70 gigabytes later. Yep. And then an update. Like, I'm just, I'm I'm a little bit miffed at Sony that they just don't slip that update in when you download the full game. But it, uh, that shocked me at how good the opening was. I actually, like, really enjoyed the stupid little prologue. Yeah, that was pretty good like, overall. Yeah, the graphics were acceptable. Like, the graphics were good. Uh, I liked collecting the comic books and seeing the Avengers and establishing all of them in their video game form. And I was really, really, like, vibing with that. I I was shocked at how well that came off. Yeah. And the actual game itself struggles a bit for me. I already see it. Um, there's mechanics that are fighting it and things like that. I don't know. It's a little bit rough around the edges. I still haven't touched Outriders. There's too much bullshit going on around that online and whatnot. Yeah. So I haven't really dove into that. And otherwise, it's just being trite gaming. The only the one update that I did get this week is that this Tuesday I'm getting delivery of the Dogma signed script. And the signed comic book script of Mallrats by Very nice. Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Very nice. So that that is a lot of shipping expense. <laughs> it it left California on Friday. So wow. <laughs> I'm like it. It's coming here. They needed the extra time to actually sign it. Apparently. <laughs> so that's crazy. Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to add that to my collection. I actually put one of the things up on my um, Instagram, Palpatine underscore Phil, where I'm like, I I took a picture of the Kevin Smith shelf, and yeah. now I've put the movies cup on there, the movies Toronto. So yeah, I saw that. Very cool. Very 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 cool. Um, there was something I was gonna ask you. I just forgot completely what it was gonna be. Doesn't matter. I guess yeah, Sunday morning. What can you say? Yeah, Sunday morning. It's a Shitty morning outside too. Yeah, but yesterday was great. I went for a walk. I'm doing this nice. walking thing a nice. little more, and uh, I'm feeling better. Yeah, about... you you seem more peppy today. I don't know. It's good. Well, I just finished my coffee. Well, that too. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's really it's. I know Boris and I talked off areas uh, last week, and he convinced me to just get out there and go for a walk, and. So I've been doing that a little more. I might exercise it up this week. I'm not being really cutting and going, oh, let's go for a walk. But I'm yeah. walking around quite a bit on things that I'm doing and whatnot. So, you know, like yesterday, I went for a dedicated walk again. So yep, it's interesting that's... to see how much the neighborhood has changed for me and whatnot. Because <laughs> from... I've grown up here my whole yeah. life. 
So it's freaky because like there's places where a house used to be and it's now a vacant lot. Yep. And stuff. And I'm like, oh man, where did that house go? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's it's funny just seeing stuff from an adult perspective because I haven't really walked the beat since yeah. I was a kid. It's funny because like my parents live in a neighborhood right like in the com I guess uh, townhouse complex right beside where we grew up ish mm. it's hard to say kind of where we grew up just because we moved so much um but uh where i spent all the younger years of my life i guess is the best way to put it right um mm -hmm. and it's just weird being in this area because like i remember when this area which for people who know mississauga it's near square one ish so you know this area has changed quite a bit um but it's just similar to you it's kind of anytime i'm at my parents it's kind of weird seeing how the areas changed and like you know some of these houses are are now turning into those cookie cutter houses just because someone buys two houses builds you know a couple new houses that look exactly the same and that's like one of my biggest pet peeves with uh with people who just buy up properties like whatever they'll buy it up rebuild but no thought goes into what they're actually rebuilding. Yeah, there's a, there's a guy across the street from me who did that. He bought a house and he divided it and made two houses that are exactly the same side by side. And in one sense, I agree with you because it kind of makes the neighborhood look different. But at the same rate, the house that he bought was a piece of shit anyway. So for for in a weird way, because it's an older neighborhood... I'm okay with it because it's like, well, that's let's usable land that he made good use of. Yeah. Because the house that was there before just what doesn't wasn't hitting me well. And and the funny thing is is that he sold one of the houses for like over a million dollars. Wow. And the thing is is that it took forever to sell and every house sells quickly in my neighborhood. Yeah. But this took a long time to sell because on either side of it, like aside from his actual unit the one side has like rentals and the other side has rentals houses. And right. the thing is, is nothing against renters. I, I used to be one for a very long time and that's okay. But let's just put it this way. These houses get regular visits from the police. Like, right. That's besides <laughs> there's, there's the a lot of trouble. house. It's just, that's just shitty people. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't, they, the landlord doesn't seem to be recruiting the best uh, types. Yeah. Exactly. For that. But what can you do, right? But that's that's life in the neighborhood. Yep. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> I know some interesting people who live up in your area and uh I would have to agree with you. Yep, there's there's definitely some rough parts <laughs> in this town. <laughs> to say the least. It's kinda weird because it's like such a small town and it's got that small town vibe, but it's just I guess it's that small town vibe, right? Yeah, it's funny because where I work, somebody, I, they said that they moved up here and we're north of Toronto, you know, Newmarket Aurora area. And he's just like, yeah, I moved into town and, you know, all this. So that he just kind of mentioned, he goes, I went to this plaza and I really got the skeeves. Like, he's just like, it, it felt really shady here. And I'm like, yeah, don't, don't go there, especially at night. Yeah. And he's parts. just like. Yeah, he, he told me, he's like, my wife and I want to move already because there's just parts of this town that are just very unsettling at, at past dusk. There are 
parts. So the mall, for one, there's certain areas in the mall that just seem so shady. Um, and then, you know, right by the hospital up there, there's like a plaza with an LCBO. It's not that close to the hospital, but it's, I think it's on the same street. Um, and once again, that plaza just looks so shady. Yeah, there's there's two plazas in town. That one that's up near the hospital, that's the one that my friend was talking about. And that one is actually the okay one compared to the other one with the Value Village in it. The one with the Value Village is freaking sketch. I'm telling you, there is shit going on in that plaza. Yeah, I'm sure. It scares me. Factory Direct is in there. Oh, my gosh. It's just, yep. and a tiger, a giant tiger. I've never been inside the giant tiger, and I'm holding that as a, like a champion of of my lifestyle. Where I have not walked into a giant tiger, and nor do I ever want to. No offense to giant tiger or its fans, but yeah, uh, it's just it's just the where it where it is in town. I'm like, oh, that looks sketchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, congrats to your niece. Yes, my niece is getting married. Um, okay. her boyfriend. Which they've bought a house together. They have a dog. And he finally popped the question, which seems to me to be in reverse order. But hey, you got to live your life. It's tough, right? Exactly. Um, it's so weird because, like, I've known her since she was a kid. Like, it's crazy to think that she's, you know, engaged now. Yep. I'm her godfather, too. Yeah. Like, it's it's a trip, man. I'm like, oh, She's she's getting married. She's all grown up. But then I'm like, yeah, she's almost thirty. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like that's the thing. Yeah. Like it's it's crazy. It's but yeah. Like I've known her what since she was, yeah, very young. Yeah, very, you like you kid, knew her when she kid. was a little girl. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember being on our forums and somebody made a comment about a picture of her and I went ape shit. <laughs> I'm like, yep. you don't even talk about my niece. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of funny when people didn't know who we're related to, because um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my brother and I, we live our separate lives, uh, but uh, you know, it's it, people don't realize how close we are, or the fact that we even are brothers. So I kind of like when people drop those some comments, um, and the same with him. It's mm-hmm. like you do know he's my brother, right? Yeah, it, it is funny because everybody thinks that my brother is my dad. When I they figure it. out we have the same last name, and I'm like, yeah. no, actually, he's only ten years older than me. But yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. He hates it. I I, I get a laugh out of it. So, <laughs> yep, so funny. All right, let us get into things because we have a lot to cover today. So, I think we're gonna start with cryptocurrency. So, when we were talking about NFTs. Um, you know, one of the conversations that we were having was about kind of the environmental repercussions of of NFTs and of blockchains mm-hmm. and cryptocurrencies in general. Um, and this has become a major issue. Um, you know, there's positives and negatives. And one of the things that we were saying about cryptocurrencies at the time was that, you know, hopefully because this is a private sector, non government non-regulated thing for the most part uh you know they were going to hopefully you know strive and 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 strive to make a difference on their own without being forced to so that's exactly what's happening uh so a bunch of private sector people companies organizations have banded together and they've announced a crypto climate 
Accord, which aims to erase cryptocurrency's legacy of climate pollution. They target 2040 for the crypto industry to reach net zero emissions. Oh, that like that's really noble to enter into an agreement or an accord that has those goals. I just the the problem that I see right out of the blocks is most of this stuff is done in countries where it's hard to regulate. Like it just seems chaotic. And a lot of these places that are doing a lot of atrocious um power uh uh consumption and, and you know, have total disregard for things are doing it off the grid in the sense that they're stealing the electricity in abandoned houses and running like these these mining farms and stuff like that. At least that's the impression that I get from when, when I watch the news and they go, oh, you know, in X country, they raided this block of houses and in, in the basements were set up all these video cards that were just cooking. And it was, and it was basically causing blackouts and brownouts in the area. And it was all illegally hacked electrical hookups but that's the thing that's the illegally like the the black market of this of this crypto um industry right like like any major industry has this black market and even the crypto um industry has this and that's what that is but you know anyone who is on the legit you know they would be following these rules but i do agree that Mm -hmm. you know it's hard to kind of maintain this especially when your government government might not necessarily give a shit about any of this um so it'll be interesting to see how they quote unquote enforce i don't even want to use the word enforce but kind of validate that all of this is happening mm-hmm. um so one of the things that they do want to do and i think that the technology itself is going to finally be um taken a look at it normalized and 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 changed a little bit because one of the things they want to do is they want to develop an open source accounting standard that can be used to consistently measure emissions generated by the crypto industry so kind of you know again self-validating self-policing they also want to develop software that can verify how much renewable energy a blockchain uses so again being it's this stuff is being built into the algorithms of cryptocurrency itself so hopefully that will help you know they also want to um, improve and optimize the code itself so that you know as it's solving the mathematical problems it doesn't use as much electricity as it currently does because um bitcoin do you know how much electricity not electricity but the carbon footprint of bitcoin is you know how bad no it clue. is? No clue. Bitcoin alone has roughly the same carbon footprint as Hong Kong. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Uh, I applaud the people doing this work and, and trying to make it as ethical and low impact as possible. I think that's great. But it's just a matter of time before governments around the world start putting their fingers into this in and I'm not even talking about the environmental impact, but uh, my ears perk up when I hear there's going to be algorithms and and tracking taking place in the background on something. It just means to me that eventually, the, the reason why Bitcoin or one of the big attractions to it is that it's a non, 
traced transfer well, of cash. Here's that's right? the whole thing. It's of just a matter right? of time now. Yeah, that's now the whole thing. It's of just like, so funny that you say that because um, Bitcoin itself, being the biggest player in the game, it's lost. It's likely to cause the Accord the most trouble because of how much energy it uses. So Bitcoin is purposely inefficient. It does this on purpose. Um, it's something mm. that renewables really can fix because the miners who verify transactions to get new coins do so by using energy guzzling machines to solve increasingly difficult puzzles. So because of how you mine for Bitcoin itself, you know, it anything the, these accords will do won't really help in the grand scheme of things outside of more proficient problem-solving skills by a machine. Hmm. This is crazy, man. This is it's interesting to be witnessing this from the sidelines as it's in such early stages and evolving so quickly. Yeah. Like like I say, it's just a matter of time before governments start dipping their fingers into all this and taking a cut. And I have a because well, yeah. Number that's number one. Number two, I have a feeling that this um once the energy consumption and carbon footprint of certain cryptocurrencies become more known and a bigger issue, I have a feeling that that's when governments are going to start to step in. Like, I'm surprised the European Union yeah. isn't all over this, to be honest. Well, I, I think it really shows one one thing that I've noticed in my lifetime, and that is that government isn't really receptive to change. Oh, yeah. They're, re they're super slow about things, and... You just look at electric cars and how that industry isn't as regulated as it should be. You look at what's happened with big tech in our lifetime and watching Microsoft and, and all these companies getting hit with antitrust lawsuits and monopolistic behaviors and their slow reaction. You look at what's going on with Facebook right now and the seeming ineptitude of the government to even control or interject intelligently on that. You look at the amount of scams that are going on that seem to be slipping by like i even saw a report last night that the fbi are now investigating cheating in online games yeah because they're basically saying that it's it's there's games being thrown in counter-strike intentionally through people fixing the matches like uh, uh larger criminal organizations fixing the matches with players and the FBI are looking into it, but the FBI are completely overwhelmed because they have no concept of how the game works or anything. You know what I mean? Look, like they, they have no experience in this. We've seen it when when big tech goes to Congress. We've seen the type of questions yeah. that get asked. Like, you know, these are the people who are supposed to be in charge of this stuff, and they have no fucking <laughs> idea how any of this works. So this is why big tech and... You know, especially things like this, uh, like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general can get away with so much because your governments and the average person has no fucking clue how any of this works. Yep. It, it isn't until it goes prime time that you're going to get some kind of legislation yeah. or closer examination to truly understand what is happening. And by the time that they understand that, it's going to evolve into... Something even more off yeah. the grid. Like, that's, that's exactly the thing. It. 
this stuff is moving at the speed of light and and our politicians are literally just walking <laughs> with like broken shoes like yep. it, it's 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 absolutely terrifying in some senses about how inept they are when it comes to to adapting to this stuff exactly and, and so- i'm not trying to be mean about it i'm just trying to point out right like that the government by nature isn't really agile enough for this type of tech exactly so that's why you know a lot of industry leaders in the cryptocurrency world you know kind of like the idea of this but the reality and the execution is very much into question because as we both already talked about in its very nature cryptocurrency is the wild west right now you know so you know how are you going to regulate the wild west you know, who's going to be the sheriff that comes into town and tries to fix this? So, you know, while on paper, this is a great idea. While on paper, they hopefully will be able to do something. The reality of actually executing something and executing the plan and making the plan a reality, we'll see. You know, I'm, yeah. I, 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 I applaud them that this is final being thought of, but I just don't know how they're going to actually do anything about this unfortunately yeah i think there's there's gonna stand to be a lot of people who make a lot of quick money and they're gonna try to make this compliant and whatnot like you say but i don't know how they're gonna do it it's it's noble in its conception but i i just i i i think the party like the fact that everybody talks about this and it's been going on for you know a, a long time now like a, a pretty long time in the tech world. I think the party's going to come crashing, especially when you see how it inter- intersects with Twitter and social media. I, I think like when we talked about the, the stonks, right, and, and GameStop and all that, we started to see all these ethical questions about how social media is used to influence certain markets, and I can see that being the same way with crypto. And there's a lot of people, because I follow Elon Musk, because you just got to watch what people are doing. And, you know, he's deleting tweets like crazy lately and things like that because he's realizing that he may have overstepped his hand and it's getting eyeballs on it. And those wow. eyeballs become legislators and those legislators create laws. So. Didn't Elon Musk this week basically say he wanted to make recreate Jurassic Park? Well, his partner in his little brain venture basically came out and said they could make jurassic park yeah but that isn't the business that they're in so we don't understand the context of the statement per se because this this company is about integrating you know the the human mind yeah to machines for the record but this guy's like just talking about it and i'm like what the hell man? for the record <laughs> we're talking about his neuro link project yeah, Neuralink. So so basically this is like the idea is they're doing it with pigs now or something like that because the pig's physiology and brain waves and whatnot are very similar to human. And they're talking about just being able to download a brain or augment a, 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 a being with a computer. Yeah, so and And that's the shit. intent. Yep. Yeah, Black Mirror shit, big time. So it's just kind of funny because it's like, 
this whole Jurassic Park thing just came out of left field. Yeah. <laughs> like, I saw it, and I'm like, oh, Elon's going to Elon. Um, so here's the thing about that. I read earlier that the Neuralink Project showed a demo of a ape or chimpanzee playing video games using its mind. Um, and and mm. all that I could think in my head was, fuck, can you imagine if you're playing like Counter-Strike or something like that and finding out that an ape fucking killed you on the other end of this? <laughs> Enough when it's an 11-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is getting into like one of the areas that I really enjoy in anime, and that is like the ghost in the shell conundrums of when beings become digital yeah do they still have a soul what are what are the definitions i enjoyed this with chasing amy last night just with the definition of what sex was yes and now this is very akin to it in the definition of what actual your essence of being is right and i'm like there's so many different approaches to it that and they're not wrong and that's this is opening up that huge, huge conundrum for me. Yep. Like, I, I, I'm fascinated by it, but I'm also quite scared about the frontiers. And like, if you want to talk about us talking about cryptocurrency and it's in its infancy or, or its juvenile years, this quite literally is the inception of what I think will become a world-changing technology. Yeah. You know? 100%. Um, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's something. You know, The what we're seeing now in our adult lives is just like, I'm afraid to get to that point where I, there's some form of technology that I don't understand. Yeah, it, it's, it's beginning to happen to me in some ways. And the funny thing is, is that I can literally identify exactly that fear because I see it happen to my father all the time. Yeah. And that's that's a weird proximity to witness but it from. It's kind of different because, you know, your dad didn't work in the industry, right? Like, we work in the industry. Yeah. We kind of have to stay on top of stuff. But as I see things like NFTs come out and, you know, shit like that. And we're, I'm not even talking about social media. Social media is its own beast. If I don't know or care or understand how or why or TikTok's a thing, that's one thing. But... Another thing is understanding at the core how an NFT works and what an NFT is. You know, that scares me. It's like, is there going to be a day where there's some form of technology, blockchain or something, that I don't understand how it works at its most basic level? I Yeah, but that it, it, to be honest, like when I look at my father, because the, the thing is, is that technology is so prevalent in everything that we do, right? We We don't even appreciate the fact that we're our own word processors we're our own we we interact with technology so much it's so reliant and yeah you're right in our jobs we see it because we provide the backbone and 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 have the vision into that but i see it from a user level all the time because i do support as well and that's like that's where my comparison about they have to know this whether you whether or not you're you're technological employed or not you're having to do your job with technology and then when you see stuff exceed people's understanding, that's the lesson that I get out of it. Like, they, 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 it's magic. You know what I mean? Like, it's quite literally magic. So magic could be to some user that it's a VPN. But then you start 
understanding that there's there's IP tunneling going on and, and that some things are coming in over this connection and some things are coming through on the, the other connection that you've set up. And then you get people that understand that. And then it's like, oh, okay, great. Well, now I have an idea of what you're capable of or what your mind knows. And then you get to the parts where everything's magical to them. <laughs> and it's like, all right, this is interesting. And I don't want to be the guy who thinks that there's magic. Yeah. But eventually I'm going to be. I'm going to be like, how'd they do that? <laughs> yeah. That that's that's my biggest fear. And you know, it's one of those things where, you know, technology and society are so integrated and getting more and more integrated. Um, and you know, talking and thinking about what we were just talking about where governments are kind of behind and the times. Um, you know, sometimes tech companies themselves might not be up to snuff with, you know, the the human aspect of certain things. Um the morality of it. Exactly. And this leads me to our next story. So before I start on this, um, you know, if you or anyone, you know, is considering suicide, anxious, depressed, upset, and need to talk to someone, there are people who can help. There are crisis text lines, crisis phone lines, national suicide prevention lifelines. Um, in the U.S., there's something called the Trevor Project. Um, you know, there's just so many different ways that you can reach out to someone um, and we might add some links into the show notes for this. Um, but, you know, this is kind of like a two-part news story discussion that I want to have. Because, as I mentioned so many times, here on the It's Can End podcast, we are not afraid to not talk about something. We want to talk about these things because society and technology are so integrated. I feel that it's Im important to have these conversations if no one else is willing to. So, you know, for the past, you know, year and a half almost, we've been dealing with COVID-19. We know the issues from, uh, and we're still learning about COVID-19 from a biological point of view, but the conversation has not really happened in terms of the human aspect of COVID-19. We've seen posts, we've seen people mention it, but no one's ever gone too deep into the long-term effects of COVID-19 on society. So a year in, one thing's become clear. The pandemic has been absolutely terrible for our collective mental health. And a surprising number of tech platforms seem to not have given this too much thought. So this is a two-pronged <laughs> discussion. Discussion number one is in terms of the employees of these major tech companies. Um, you know, over the past many weeks, we've been seeing delays, delays, delays. Whether it be in the video game industry or the movie industry, um, you know, there's been a lot of delays. Um, and, 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 and the main reason for that is because, you know, we've had to find new ways of actually working in the COVID-19 world. One thing that has to be made very clear, and Phil, you can attest to this as well, is that work never stopped for us in the tech industry. We were literally expected <laughs> from one Friday, Friday, March the 13th, a lot of people went into the office thinking it was just going to be another regular day. Oh, look, there's this pandemic starting. And then on Monday, March the 16th, we were all at home. We were forced to be at home. Literally from one day to the next, our life was turned upside down from this world where we were used to going into an office and then we were all forced to work from home. So this has added a lot of complexity for a lot of people, whether it be um, from a, you know, just a workstation, you know, 
And right now we're just talking about the actual, the physicality working from home. Um, so, you know, but work never stopped. It was business as usual for many companies, right? Yeah. Yep. And you know what? Like the, the, the funny thing is, is that the IT departments like quite literally took it on the chin. Yep. I, I, like, like the champions that they are, it wasn't perfect for every company. There were certainly some, you know, some expansion points and some, some accommodation that took a little time to work out. But the fact is, is that these teams put in countless hours of thankless time, really, and just got a lot of platforms upgraded and compatible with the types of loads. Because most companies plan, like they have a, a, a contingency plan to provide continuity of work or whatever. But it's for a percentage, usually, because they go, well, if X thing happens, then we can therefore assume we're going to be losing a certain amount of people or a certain amount of people aren't really necessary for platforms to function. So then they, they come to some kind of percentage. And the pandemic caused that percentage to be 100%, right? Because everybody was staying from home. There was no office, in effect. Yep. And that that's a lot of stress, man. And and. Uh, congratulations to all the companies around the world that handled that and coped with it. But there definitely is a um, a repercussion to that yep. and the lack of physical time, no matter what you do, doing a Zoom call or whatnot for work is not as good as being in the office, right? Like I'm thinking even the way that I work now, I have these regimented times where I'm like, this is focused work time. And I'm thinking, man, when I was in the office, I would go down to the cafeteria and have a coffee. You know, I would, you know, go to the washroom and do this. And I would, and now I'm finding that I can literally sit at my desk for like three hours and not move. And then when I get up, my legs are shot. Like, it's just like, oh my God, like the blood's pooled. I'm cramping. And it's weird, man. That has a, an effect on people. And yep. yeah. And that's the what tech I mean to support the, it. And that's what I mean about the whole, you know, it was it was business as usual for a lot of people. And, you know, I've been working at home for now six years because um, my job, you know, it just, I don't have an office to go to. The office is in Montreal. I live in Toronto. I do a lot of traveling. I don't have an office to physically go into so i've been working from home so when i started working from home this was one of the first things i found out was i'm actually working more hours than i normally do because you know my computer's always on so i can always in the corner of my eye see my screens if i see an email at 10 p.m chances are i might answer it at 10 p.m you know there's no real office Mm -hmm. hours per se anymore so you know this is this alone from a from a human aspect has taken a toll on quite a few people now you know to your point in terms of you know the countless hours of it people i do want to commend it people everywhere in the world because they have done a marvelous job of making working situations possible for people um you know and i see this firsthand because like i work with enterprise ccms solutions so a lot of my customers have had to adapt to work from home so i wanted to give credit there but you know the human aspect is hundreds and hundreds of hours now we're trying to monitor all this stuff you know there's a lot of pressure now for automation how can we make sure that you know 
stuff is going to be on, you know, 99.9999% uptime, right? The 24-7 mm-hmm. stuff. Like, so there's a lot of pressure from a lot of different points and pressure points that we never thought we would ever have to even consider. People had, as you mentioned, contingency plans, but never to this extreme where now we've been outside of the office for about a year, a month, and a few days. Like, it's absolutely insane when you think about, like, what's actually going on and, you know, the, the, the just the how hard people have worked. And there's that pressure because there's a worldwide pandemic going on. People felt con- compelled to work harder, longer, faster. Mm-hmm. And all of that has taken a toll on many people. So... One of the things that I want to talk about was kind of like that aspect of it. Like, everyone's exhausted. There's a collective exhaustion exhaustion going on. And, you know, this is why, you know, outside of the fact that, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 was a failure in terms of its rollout, um, you know, video games and, and movies and everything like that, they're just taking their time because... Um, you know, everyone's had to adapt, but it's still business as usual. Um, so that, you know, from a employee standpoint, everyone feels compelled to work just as hard, if not harder right now, because no one thought we would be working in these conditions. So all of this has taken a toll mentally on people. Yeah. Big time. Like I, I know that like number one, you're deathly afraid at any point in time that you're going to lose your job if you have one during COVID, right? And that alone, the fear is enough to keep you on your tippy toes and working and delivering a little bit maybe uh, outside of what you normally would be. And, you know, I, I feel bad for people in the restaurant industry and in retail. Like on top of that, you know, you look at people who have to work at the grocery store and they have to go in and, and work their asses off and risk themselves to get food to us. And they're not getting paid the money that they should be paid. And they're exhausted because it's got to be exhausting to be in the position of having to manage people. Whereas before you used to be able to just go in, pick up your groceries, you know, check them out, whatever, and get the F out of there. But now they're like, no, you can't put on the, the belt at this time. No, you have to keep this distance. No, put your bags over there. Don't, I can't touch them and stuff like that. That's got to be exhausting for the, the kid working there. You know what I mean? Or the person working there. It's all of it is really cumulative and you don't really realize it. Like, you know, we were talking before the, the show and yesterday was the first day off, you know, like, you know, the weekends here, Saturday, whatever. I stayed up a little late on Friday night. I was, you know, watching Avengers movies and shit like that. But I slept in until almost four o'clock yesterday afternoon. Like, that's not normal. Yeah. You know, like, I woke up, I, I had a little bit of food, and then I just went back to bed and laid there, you know? And that's that's a symptom. Like, that's my body telling me something. That's my mind and my body telling me something. Right? And that's... That's concern, man. That's that's a real thing that's happening, and I, I don't think I'm the only one in that boat. Yep, you're not, because there are some stats to actually back that claim up. So if we take a look at um, adults showing symptoms of depression, it's nearly doubled from March to June of last year to 19%. In the U.S., 11% of adults reported feeling depressed between January 
and June 2019. By December 2020, that number had quadrupled to 42%. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not shocked. I really am not shocked. Yep. Um, like one thing that I can say to people, because I, I was getting some help during all this before I came on the show. And, um, you know, for people, just, just don't be afraid to reach out if you need some help. Um, there are resources and I think the, the, the population, the government and everybody are starting to realize how important the mental health stuff is. And there are things that are out there, but it can make a big difference. You need to find hobbies. You know, that, that's Boris and I say it on the show all the time that even if there is nobody listening, we'd still be doing it because it's, it's our own ability to, to have uh, geek therapy per se. So we get to the chance to interact with one another and talk about the things that we want to talk about. And that's made a big difference for me. I'm still not immune to it, and I know that you're not. But, you know, you got to find some things that, that give you a little bit of happiness in life and, yeah. and that make you a little more social. Exactly. Now, we're lucky enough to have this... Um this platform where we can talk about stuff we don't really talk about how we're feeling per se um and that's because the tech industry and this is the second part of the discussion the tech industry is a little behind um you mm -hmm. know depending on what platform you're using on they may or may not even allow you to talk about this stuff um so you know if 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 someone uploads a video about them feeling unwell mentally about them wanting to hurt themselves mentally that video could easily be taken down. Um, yep. You know, and this is kind of where a lot of people are calling for the tech industry to change the rules because all of this is important information. All of this is good to see from people because a lot, oftentimes, you know, that cry for help, it's not necessarily about a cry for help, but it's the reality of the situation, right? A lot of people are claiming that the tech industry is just trying to keep everything happy-go-lucky, you know, blocking us and shielding us from the real world, the realities of stuff, because they don't know how to deal with stuff. Because tech companies, from a mm -hmm. legal point of view, don't want to deal with the cleanup. Yeah, they don't want the liability, right? And, and that's why, and you have, it's automated as well, right? So you see things like YouTube and whatnot that will give you your monetization checkmark and whatnot. But even beyond that, all right, let's just say you, you publish a video, it's not a monetized thing you don't want it to be a monetized thing you just want to have an honest discussion about something going on they bury it in the algorithm and you know even if it, even if they don't kill it it just gets buried it, it just never gets to the eyeballs right and that's that's the big issue for me is either a full takedown by a facebook or a twitter and a censorship unjustifiably so or a burying so it never gets any attention that it might deserve right yep. it's not unless something goes extremely viral so you have to have a hook uh, baked into it yep in order so there, for it to get the eyes so there is a public call now for some of these companies especially some of the new social media platforms to have a policy on self-harm and conversations about suicide and what's actually happening out there because the reality is is if you don't if you can't moderate if you don't even have a policy yeah that's exactly right but i i, I think it's even you know more sinister than that i think it's 
its algorithms gone freaking crazy. You know, it used to be when you look at the analog days of digital life, <laughs> if I could coin a phrase, you used to have a whole bunch of people making decisions, right? Like, let's say you ran a message board, which we have a lot of personal uh, 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 history with. You have a message board, and then you have a whole bunch of moderators. And then you have a discussion behind the scenes about the ethics of a situation. So you could quarantine posts or whatever and have an actual discussion with other moderators and people and gain points of view and opinions and reinsert that or uh, admonish somebody for doing something that, that they shouldn't have in, in that thread, being insensitive to somebody or whatever. But now it's, it's, I just don't believe that there's people at the end of a lot of this stuff. I think that there's people creating stuff, but I don't think it's monitored by people anymore. I don't think that there's a collective decision being made. I think that there's a program decision being made. And I think that the, the danger is, is that these tech companies treat people exactly like they tell us they're going to. We're products. Yeah. We're not people. We're yeah. products. And the product needs to be controlled and quarantined by them. And they're yeah. just going through and doing that because it's in the terms of service. Yep. And that's the real criminality about all this morally, right? And my goodness, if people thought that we were on the, the negative loop before, holy cow, hold on to your hats, people. Yep. <laughs> Having said that, there are companies who are starting to address the larger issues between tech and society. For example, Twitch will ban streamers for serious off-platform conduct and harassment. I know what some of you are going to say. It doesn't matter what XYZ does on their own time. Well, it does when they are a famous Twitch streamer because people correlate person XYZ and Twitch as being one entity. So, Person mm -hmm. XYZ is representing Twitch, especially when they have the credentials and, you know, the certification from Twitch. So, you know, it if person XYZ, you know, is being accused of sexual misconduct, that reflects poorly on Twitch. So they have now given clear outlines for how it will handle off-platform harassment and serious misconduct. Um, in a blog post, the company categorized off-platform harassment into two sections. Harassment that occurs on Twitch and other platforms and harassment that takes place entirely off-platform, a.k.a. IRL. Yeah, it's Gina Carano meets Twitch. Yep. You know, unfortunately, like we had this this fleshed out discussion with with that, and when you enter into uh, an arrangement with a company like Twitch or anyone else, right? If if they if if you're reflecting upon their image in a way that they don't want, they're gonna have rules about what they're gonna do, or they're gonna terminate. You know, they're just gonna say, "Hey, look, we don't want this association anymore." Have a great life. We hope it all works out for you, but don't log into your channel because it's gone. Right? Like, eh, tough, man. It, 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 well, it's not tough. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> and you're not going to have a problem. But uh, at the same rate, I, I worry personally about, I'm not as worried about the, the harassment or any of the other, you know, heavy stuff 
That that seems logical to me. It just when you start splitting hairs, when you start getting into well, what the definitions of of those things are, because you know that they're just going to narrow and narrow and narrow for a company, right? Yep. They're 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 going to start off really broad and and well intended, and who knows where it goes. I I hope that it keeps an even keel. But. Yep. So you know a lot of this stuff was uh, this isn't new to Twitch. Um, you know, if you remember, uh, the Super Smash Brothers streamer Zero was banned uh, because he admitted, keyword, admitted he sent sexually explicit messages to minors. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a number of those scandals too, right? Like, I, I think that there was uh, Inside Gaming had a little bit of a scandal with some of its uh, uh, content creators. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I didn't dig too deep into it. I saw reports that there was some accusation of improper behavior by some. And yeah, it, it happens in the industry, right? It's that I I don't it's not wrong for them to terminate on, on on that basis, right? If there's misconduct going on and people are abusing and and using their, their social media status to I don't know, take advantage or, or harass people. It's not cool. Yep. All right, so that's that. Um, so last Boris, week stop week- sending me the pictures that you send me, all right? You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> last week we were talking about Facebook and their leak. Well, they're not the only company who has leaked. Um, LinkedIn has apparently had five... <sighs> Hundred million accounts that have leaked online. Clubhouse, oh the new social network that's <laughs> podcast like, has lost personal info for 1.3 oh. million users. Jeez. I saw the other day, last night on, on YouTube, I logged in and I follow Linus Tech Tips, and he was doing like a live broadcast. And his phone number has been released to the public through one of these leaks. Yeah. And he was griping about it last night. I didn't watch it. I just saw the headline. I thought, oh, my dear Lord. Like, I wonder if that was in the Facebook. But now I can just wonder if it's in the, the LinkedIn or wonder if it's in the clubhouse or wonder if it's... That is... Wow. Here's that... the thing. The clubhouse one was interesting because their database... Was just a simple SQL SQL database. Oh, <laughs> I, I, the one that least surprised me when you said it was Clubhouse because I'm like, that's so new. They yeah. probably have no freaking clue what they're doing on the back end. Like, I, I'm sure they think they do, but I'm willing to bet dollars to donuts that. You know, that, that database isn't secured. It isn't, you know what I mean? It isn't done to the standards that maybe others do. And by me even saying that, the others seem to do a pretty shit job as well. <laughs> so, Yeah. Isn't that oh, crazy? This is terrifying. Terrifying. Right? Like, I, social media, like, I, I, I seriously debated completely deleting my Facebook this week and i'm probably going to do it i don't go- log into it at all anymore yep. but the issue is is that it's exactly this that my information is sitting there but i have no 
absolutely no comfort level in the thought that if I go through all the steps to delete myself from Facebook, that I'd actually be deleted. You know what I mean? Now I, I, I could completely see them making an even less uh, 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 honest attempt to protect my data that they already have. So <sighs> I'm not 100% sure. And I can't confirm this, but I would assume the way that Facebook does your deletion is it's just an a active versus not active status of your mm-hmm. profile and information. Because I know that people who have deleted Facebook have been able to come back and everything is still magically there. So I think it's simply yep. just a binary on-off, active, deactive, or not active um, thing in their, in their database. And that is that so when you delete well, yourself your information isn't being removed from their database well here here's the big thing right this is the part that put me down this path is that there's facebook profiles for people who have never been on facebook yeah when they do the request for data and all these investigations they have information on people that have never signed up for the platform, but they know their email address. They know their proximity to family. They know possibly their cell phone number. They know all of this personal data information. It's already had its profile footprint somewhere in their database. And that's the terrifying part, right? Yeah. It's like, what's their commitment towards protecting that? Whether or yeah. not you're active or deactive, or inactive like what's the what's the exactly i'm like is that have less encryption around it and then that's easier to scrape up from a, a a hacking point of view like i it's it's just absolutely mind-blowing and you know this goes back to the the bigger point about the morality of these tech companies whether it be about your mental health or whatever it's also about you know their, their obligation to people to be, treat people like people and not like products but none of these companies are engineered in such a way that they can differentiate because a corporation is classified as a person yep you know exactly. and you you watch that corporation movie and the new corporation and they they go through and do a psychoanalysis on corporations to see what kind of people they are and they're full-on psychopaths at this point yeah 100 percent um, all right, we've dug really deep into tech and society this week, so let's have a little bit of fun. Let's talk about Godzilla versus Kong. Kaiju! <laughs> well, all right, so last week we were talking about this movie, but the figures weren't out. They li- they were literally released as I posted the episode. Um, so the movie made $48.5 million in the U.S. over its five-day opening weekend period oh. and another $76.1 million from international markets. Um, in total, the Monster Mashup reached about $285.4 million worldwide. That's a good bit of business for a pandemic, I gotta say. Right? Like, geez, man, that's a lot of moist and dank theaters. <laughs> getting the bucks but and a lot of people throwing down the 25 bucks to rent it like that's geez that's not that's only box office numbers oh my gosh wow box office numbers so 
In addition oh. to crushing it at the box office, Godzilla vs. King Kong made an impact on HBO Max. The film debuted on the streaming service Day, um, uh, so on March 31st, and Warner Brothers confirmed that it broke records for the platform. It was viewed more in its first four days than any other film or show since HBO Max released in May of 2020. Well, part of that is, and no offense to the Snyder Cut, and its fan base but a comic book is baked into a comic book audience by and large now that audience is growing and that's why you see a lot of comic book movies and shows but kong versus godzilla is such an old property and such a bigger property as far as people who would be interested in possibly checking it out because you could have, uh, conceivably to me, I think that there's a big crossover in the in the fan base, but you could have a lot of people, in my opinion, that are just like, I really dig monster movies, or I want to see this for the spectacle that it is, because I grew up hearing about Kong, King Kong and Godzilla. And I'm just going to say this, like, I watched Alana Pierce last night talking about this movie, and I got to agree with her, that there's no way that, that King Kong should have even stood a chance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> like axe or not, man. I'm telling you, lizards that could shoot radioactive fucking lightning, <laughs> just giant lizards that could shoot radioactive lightning. Like I'm like, come on, a lizard is terrifying. Yeah. Like, like Kong, man. I'm telling you, he's just a big ape. <laughs> It was a fun movie. I liked it. It was a great movie. I enjoyed it so much. But, you know, even even people at work are like, oh, man, I'm going to watch Kong versus Zilla with my kids tonight and stuff like that. And I, I just hear I hear a lot of buzz around it, whereas they weren't talking about, oh, I really want to sit down for Snyder Cut. That's because a lot of people were embarrassed to say they're going to watch it. Yeah, but like we said, it's, it's actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, not a bad you know, I don't want my four hours back. I, I gladly give it to them. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I, 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 I just find that there's a spectacle around Kong versus Godzilla. Like there's people, you know, that want to shake the floorboards in the house with the home stereo or enjoy. It is a, is a perfect mindless type of movie for big screen. Like if I was, if we were in a case where. Let's say this pandemic is 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 over. Tomorrow's finger snap. Pandemic's over. Guess what? Right? Yeah, I know. I, I find that finger snap now stuff. has a completely different um, meaning in my yeah. head. Uh, the minute I said it, I kind of regretted it. But it gets the point across. Tomorrow, something magical happens. And we can all of a sudden go back to the theater and have no concerns whatsoever about contracting coronavirus or anything else. And what movie are you most likely going to see? Probably Kong vs. Godzilla, because that looks like a goddamn lot of fun to sit in the theater yeah. and watch it. And, you know, all the, the noise and the spectacle of it. Yeah. So I think that movie's got a lot hanging on it. And I think that it got shopped around. And I don't know that the, the even Warner Brothers understood the nature of that property. You want to know my hot take? Here's my hot take, Phil. Take a drink before I tell you this. Um, okay. I believe that Godzilla vs. Kong is a better movie for the theaters than Tenet was. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I. That's not shocking to me at all. I was thinking that. Like I, I was thinking when you announced the number that it made. I was thinking how, how probably Christopher Nolan was crying little crocodile tears. Yep. <laughs> in his beer, going, "Oh, the pandemic means I can't make movies the way I want to." And blah 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 blah. How about blah. you? Make and a- then this happens. He's <laughs> make like, a- "I'm a complete failure." <laughs> well. Have you? I made a dog pile shit movie. (laughs) Tenet was horrible. The fact that we know someone who, like, in the middle of the pandemic, risked it to watch Tenet, man, I'd be pissed. But in his defense, he didn't know what Tenet was like before he went. (laughs) He actually thought it was a good movie, right? Like, that's, that's one of the complaints that people make all the time about movies is that the trailers sell the movies so well and they can completely they misrepresent yeah As they should they can it's an industry it's its own thing making trailers right but they can missell it's just like a video game or whatever you go oh man i'm so hyped for this game you get the game and it's a piece of crap right and then you're just like oh man i want my money back there ain't no getting your money back with a movie i think i've only i've i've gotten a refund on a movie once well, where but, I like somebody like threw a freak out in the movie theater and the manager just said, here's free passes like to everybody in the theater. You guys, yeah. you know, we screwed up your movie experience. You can pretty much pray that something goes wrong with the movie real or something. Yeah. That's yeah, the only it, way you're it, getting it, money back. Yeah. And that that's that's the that's the, the dark underbelly of the movie industry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and and that's why people like we identified last week. But that's why people enjoy getting movies off the internet because there's no skin in the game, so to speak. Yep. Speaking of movies, Top Gun was delayed to November. Mission Impossible delayed till May of 2022. Death Loop, that movie or that game, the video game Death Loop, um, was supposed to come out in May. It's now coming out September. Uh, Nintendo Switch stock is deathly low, and they're not making any right now uh, because of the semiconductor shortage. Computer chips, ladies and gentlemen. Like, like apparently that's why Apple has to keep on moving this event. Yeah. Where they want to talk about the new MacBooks and and iPads, they have no chips. Want to hear something about the no chip thing? So I know someone who works at the Ford plant in Oakville. You know the big mm-hmm. famous Ford plant in Oakville. And they were saying that right now, they're literally still building cars as if it's no one's business, but they're all going straight to the parking lots because they can't finish them. Yep. There's no computer parts to put in them. Now, like that, that's... Are they tracking what these cars are missing? Because I'm sensing in a year or two, we're going to get massive recalls because of this because these companies aren't stopping lines they're still making what they're supposed to make but they're not finishing them yeah i i it's going to be a logistical nightmare for them on that side i, I would assume but it, it it is getting real people we talked about it on this show and google had to make an announcement the other day because the rumors were so rampant that they were going to cancel the 5a phone the pixel 5a phone because there was no chips Google had to make an announcement that they have chips. Like, they're going ahead with that product and the product line. Because the 4A was such a hit, it it made 
the pixel division, like it made their year type yep. thing. So now there's no way that they can retreat on that product front. But obviously, this is hitting in those areas that we predicted or that we saw the trend going towards. And it's happening. It, it, it's affecting, like Apple are saying that that their iPhone production hasn't been impacted yet. Yet. But there's a possibility there that it may because it's yeah. impacting other stuff, right? So these are all huge repercussions when Ford is parking vehicles because they can't they can't even start because there's no computer in it. Yep. Well, you, you have to wonder, man. You have to wonder. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah. Uh, the last thing here, it's nothing major, but Sony movies are going to Netflix um, exclusively after mm. the buy period, which is typically 18 months. So the buy period includes... Um, home release, so it's the theatrical streaming release, um, and then the you have the home release. So anytime you can buy a version, a copy of a movie, um, usually lasts about 12 to 18 months, it'll be going to Netflix after that, so any Sony movie. So what's interesting is that this includes movies like Venom 2, Morbius, mm-hmm. Those Marvel movies. So, you know, clearly Netflix did this strategically, um, you know, for for a shot across the bowel of Disney+. Plus. Well, you have to look at where Netflix is positioned, right? Exactly that. Um, when, you, when you look at the competing streaming services, obviously Warner Brothers is redirecting everything towards HBO Max. And... Peacock is going to be taking a lot of their content and putting it exclusively on their service to promote it. And obviously Disney is doing that too. Sony or Sony and Paramount are the two, you know, kind of people like two well, kind of big industries out there that don't really have a home. Paramount Universal just maybe launched too. Paramount Plus. So CBS yeah. All Access was changed to Paramount Plus. So that includes everything under the Viacom umbrella. Right. So it really makes sense from that point of view. Sony used to have Crackle. I think they still do. But obviously that service suffers from it being like Sony. It being Crackle. <laughs> yeah, it being Crackle. So I get it. I'm like, I, I, I see that that's a smart play. And, and it is funny because I have tracked that, that release schedule throughout my entire, you know, especially the past few years. Where I'm like, okay, movie comes out in theater, all right, buzz dies down. Movie comes out on home video, is really expensive for a buy, gets cheaper, and then it becomes a rental, and then it goes to the stream, the services like the movies on the go and stuff like that. It gets its air cycle on that, and then it will show up on Netflix, right? Or a streaming service. So, yeah, it's a great play. Shrewd bit of business, but. Right now, Sony has a contract with Stars with a Z. Stars with a Z. So that contract ends this year. So Netflix was able to get those rights. So interesting, interesting developments here in the streaming world. But uh, yeah, that is your week in pop culture, your week in tech, your week in all things geek um but before we go there's a couple things i want we need to do number one you are going to get a special episode on wednesday where we talk all things falcon and winter soldier and 
holy shit, do we have a conversation <laughs> planned for you? Yeah, um, I would recommend you go out and watch out that bad boy because uh, we're definitely going to have opinions that are spoiler in yep. nature. <laughs> exactly. And last but not least, nothing ends a episode like us telling you where you can send all your hate mail to. Oh, the hate mail. You can send love too. Be a lover, not a hater. But yeah, you can track us down on www.itcanonpodcast.com. You can look us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You know, all of our data is unsecured. So <laughs> at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. And you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and uh, leave a rate and review if possible on your platform. Thanks so much for taking the time and we'll see you on Wednesday. Yep. So also on the channel, we have a interview, Matt, my NXT talk partner, and I. we did a uh, interview with the creators and writers of the comic book invasion from planet wrestletopia really fun chat so thanks to um thanks to them for coming on a show and having a conversation it was a lot of fun um so you can find that on the it's canon podcast feed um and yeah we'll be back on wednesday talking about all things falcon and winter soldier where the it's canon podcast he's phil i'm boris Good night.